This summer we are walking together. We're also going through the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is both personal and national. The series is called Dear America. And when you think about Isaiah, he's speaking to the soul of his nation at the time. And we want to consider also God speaking to the soul of our nation and to our individual souls. Now, a lot of times people wonder, which book should I start with in the Bible or what should I read this summer? I encourage you to go through the entire book of Isaiah, 66 chapters, which means that's about two or three chapters a day, five or 10 minutes, and you'll cover the entire book. We're going to walk through, there's really two halves of the book, one through 39, those chapters, first half of the book, we're going to cruise through those pretty quickly. And then we're really going to camp in the second half of the book, which is Isaiah chapters 40 to 66. But it's a great book to go through the entire book this summer together and also pray. Pray for our nation. This series, Dear America, it is a time right now to pray for our country. So let's be intentional in praying together as well. Uh, it's a defining time in the history. It's about 700 years before Christ, a defining time for the Israelites and the decisions they were making. And it's also a defining time right now in our nation. And we sense that. In life, the number one, number one area in terms of making decisions are spiritual decisions. The spiritual decisions we make affect every part of our life. It's by far and away of all our decisions, it's at the forefront. And our souls, it's the most important uh, aspect of our being. And so we want to have souls that are filled, we want to have God's presence, we want to make wise decisions, and we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and we need the guidance of God's Word. That's why we like to get into God's Word together, listen to God, seek God, and He fills us with joy and peace. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we can be together to worship you. Thank you for our nation, Lord. And Father, we pray for our country. God, we pray for a greater love, a greater unity. We pray for healing. We pray for peace. We pray that we would return to you. God, we pray that uh, we would love you with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind, and we would really learn and really do this. We would love our neighbor as well. Uh, Father, we pray that you would protect us, that you would strengthen us. And uh, Father, uh, we're, we're listening right now. We need your direction. We need your guidance. Thank you that you communicate through your word. We give you praise in your name. Amen. Amen. One of the most empowering truths throughout the Bible and in our lives is that you are called. You have a holy calling. You are called by God in a personal way. It's a strong calling. It's an irrevocable calling. It's a powerful calling. It's a joyful calling. But know this, you are called by God. Let that sink in because it's a passion for me that when we consider following God, it wouldn't be that we'd be thinking about a building or a program or be passive, but instead we would know walking with God is 24-7 where we live, work, learn, or play. We are his ambassadors. We are on mission. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He fills us with love, and we get to serve him together. It's a huge paradigm shift 
from going from passive and attending and programs and a building to knowing that you are God's ambassador and that you are called 24-7. As we let that sink in for such a time as this, right now, let's not shrink our calling and let's not shrink back from our calling. Let's not shrink and minimize our calling. Let's also not shrink back from our calling. I'm going to start out tonight a little differently with uh, 10 traps. As it relates to calling, 10 quick traps that you want to consider and not to fall into. Uh, The first one is that some people just don't know that they're called. Well, we've already declared it pretty clearly tonight. Now we all know we are called by God. The second one is to partially ignore uh, part of the calling, not all the calling, but maybe intentionally ignore some part of the calling that we're not liking so much. That's one approach. Another one is to be frozen by fear. We live in a culture where people get canceled right now. Maybe it's a fear of being canceled by someone. So based on fear and a little bit of paralysis, we just stop in our tracks. Another one is to be distracted and to have great intentions but just getting distracted by all the things that are going on in the world. And sometimes they're petty things, but very distracted. It's easy to do in our culture. The next one is selfish. And that really exposes an idol. A lot of times the number one idol in our country is just wanting to be comfortable. And it's a selfish idol, but we want that so much. Sometimes it goes beyond our calling. Another one is doubts. Just doubting God, doubting his word, doubting Jesus, doubting because of our past, doubting because of our mistakes, doubting because of our insecurities, a sense of inadequacy as well. Just doubts pile up. We think I've I've probably just disqualified for anything significant. All those doubts can accumulate. Another one that happens is that we're just discouraged. We didn't get the results we wanted. We're discouraged by what's happening and we check out. We just check out, tap out. Another one is to run in someone else's lane to try to, instead of our own calling, try to figure out someone else's style and just imitate them and be like them and really follow their calling when it's not your calling, your name's not on that. That is so common. And uh, another one that I'll highlight, the ninth is just running away from your calling, just like Jonah, just running away, going the other direction, running after sin. And the last one is that you're calling, you're living it out, there's all kinds of fruit but you're subtly taking the credit in the glory and you're not giving the glory to Jesus in your calling. These are common traps and I highlight them because the Bible says the devil likes to have schemes and strategies and one thing the devil wants to do is to try to trip you up and discourage you or have you in a place of fear and limitations so that you don't realize, receive, embrace the full calling of God in your life. What would it look like tonight to hear it to receive it, to run with it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to consider Isaiah's calling. We're going to consider your calling. We're going to consider America's calling. There are some golden threads that run through all three, Isaiah, you, and America together. And calling is holistic. And a lot of times in our country, we take it right down to action and performance. But in the Bible, there are three elements to calling, Let's consider this from God's perspective tonight. The first element of the three is that your calling is relational. It's primarily relational. Isaiah chapter six, starting in verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. One of the major themes in the book of Isaiah, it's this, how holy is our God? How holy is God? And we've kind of trampled on, lost sight of the holiness of God frequently in in our country, if we're honest. Right away, King Uzziah dies. Well, who's King Uzziah? He was a, a significant king who was close with God, walking with God. There was all kinds of fruit. And you know what? Pride crept in. He got a big head. He started to think, you know what? I'm not going to listen to God anymore. I'm going to start doing things my way. And he overextended. He did things God didn't want him to do. And you know what? He broke out in leprosy. Eventually he died. And his life is kind of a microcosm of the nation at that time. They received so much from the Lord, but then they started to swell in pride. They overlook God. They're going to say, I'm going to take the steering wheel. And now there's struggles. So King Uzziah, you can read his full story in the Bible, but that's a standout name. That's a story we want to pay attention to. And that's a reminder of God's holiness. We read here, as Isaiah has this vision of God and his holiness, and our calling is relational, that first, seated high, there's a throne, high and above, in God's robe, his robe representing his glory. It fills the temple, yes, but it fills the whole earth. You see, the temple back then, there were outer courts, there was a holy place, there was a most holy place, and the most holy place, there was an ark, and right above that small ark, we knew God dwelt there in a special way, a powerful way. But sadly, people took that truth and then tried to limit God and say, well, he's just in that one little place, his glory's right there. But it's a both and, his glory and presence, Shekinah glory in the temple, but also his glory fills the whole earth. In fact, the whole earth, the galaxies, there's no way you can contain God. He always existed. His glory can't be limited. And Isaiah has this vision, this fresh vision of the glory of God. He's seated high. His robe fills the temple. His glory is everywhere. And the angels themselves covering their faces, declaring holy, 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 supreme, full holiness, purity, sinless, perfection, so different than us. I know right now with a lot of churches, there's live streaming, there's a digital ministry. I would be so intrigued. It would bring so much wonder to have live streaming right now from God's heavenly throne. Father God, Jesus on the right hand, the angels declaring, holy, holy, holy. If you spent one hour today watching that live streaming, how would that change your life? How would that change your perception of the holiness of God? Isaiah was humbled when he realized his calling is primarily relational, and this relationship was with a holy God. And that's a lot to take in. That's a lot to take in. Well, Isaiah says, I saw. He saw a vision. Spiritually, we can be blind and we can see. The devil wants to keep us blind, the Bible says, but God sets us free. We get a vision of who God is. Isaiah had a vision of Jesus Christ. 
And this is a fascinating verse in the New Testament pointing back to Isaiah. And uh, Jesus is at the time with a group of people where there's a lot of unbelief and Jesus is pointing out, you know, they, they, they're not going to believe. Their hearts are hard. Their hearts are calloused. And he's talking about and quoting Isaiah. And then this is what he says in John chapter 12, verse 41. Isaiah said this. Jesus is talking about Isaiah. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus's glory and he spoke about him. Isaiah saw Jesus's glory. Now, there's some mystery where the Father and the Son are one. Uh, we, we know that, but also there's a pre-incarnate Christ. And Isaiah saw Jesus's glory and he saw it and he delivered it in terms of prophecy. Uh, if you got your Bible with you right now, let's take a look at some of the different, just in this section, some of the different references, looking ahead to Jesus. Isaiah is often called the fifth gospel. They're in the New Testament, that's the 27 books on the right-hand side of your Bible. That's from Christ's birth uh, right to his return. Uh, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, covering his teaching, his miracles, his life. But then in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah stands out with so many references about Jesus. I want to show you just a couple that are intriguing. And uh, starting in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, we read, uh, Be ever hearing, God, go and tell the people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the heart of this people callous. That's what Jesus will quote, and that was going to be a response to Jesus. People were going to reject Jesus. Their hearts were going to be hard. They would not believe because they, they could not believe. They could not believe because they would not believe. There's a mixture of human choice, God's sovereignty, but their hearts are calloused is the point towards the Messiah who would come. Now, here's one that's uh, pretty well known. In Isaiah next chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is quoted, you hear it in Christmas time. Matthew chapter 1 is going back to Isaiah. Jesus will be born miraculously from a virgin, the virgin Mary, God with us. And then chapter 8, we continue in verse 14. And he will be a sanctuary, but for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. This will be quoted in Romans chapter 9 in the New Testament. People are going to stumble because they're going to say, no, Jesus can't be the Messiah. They're going to want to reject him and run their own way. And it was uh, prophetic. You know, Isaiah is quoted 50 times in the New Testament, more than the other books in the Old Testament. So that link is so strong. The Bible's one book with 66. And then I'll say this in uh, Isaiah chapter 9. We also read in, in verse uh, 1 that he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus will dwell in Galilee. There'll be a great light. He is the light of the world shining for us. And then chapter 9, verse 6, uh, continuing on Isaiah, looking ahead to Jesus, uh, we read for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. The Messiah will be in David's line, and he is the Son of God. And uh, again, 700 years before Jesus, 700 years before Jesus came to earth, 
Isaiah is giving so many clear details and prophecies. He sees Jesus. He describes who's coming, the Savior of the world. And I could keep going, but let me just, uh, I got to add this one. I mean, my name's in the Bible a couple places. This is one of them, so I got to read this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus will be in Jesse's line, in David's line, and Jesus will also come as a judge, it says, and he's a righteous judge, and all these are pointing to Jesus. You get the sense, don't you, that 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God had a plan. God has a plan today in your life and in our lives. And people were looking forward because they knew, not yet, not yet, but we are waiting for Christ to come, the Messiah. And Isaiah sees this hope and he communicates it. Now, I want to say for us, we know Jesus came the first time, but you know what we're longing for right now? The return of Jesus. And page after page in the Bible, the return of Jesus. Chapter after chapter in the Bible, the return of Jesus. Hundreds of references in the Bible. We want to cultivate this longing, this hunger, this desire for what we know is going to happen. Christ will return. And then, finally then, we'll be home and out of all the mess and out of all the pain and out of all the death and out of all the mourning, Christ is coming back. And 700 years before they look forward to his first coming, where we're sitting right now on the God's chronological timeline, we are eagerly waiting for Christ to return and we say, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. We want more people to know Jesus before he returns, but we look forward to Christ returning. When this world just feels out of control, when it feels like a mess, when it feels like there's darkness, when it feels like there's injustice, when it feels like there's murder, when it feels like there's corruption, it just stirs that passionate longing to be with Jesus and for Jesus to return and make it right and make it right. Your primary calling is relational. It's with Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. First Corinthians chapter one, look at verse eight. Look at our calling that's relational. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called you into relationship. You know what our culture does? We flip it. We say you gotta have enough performance to get acceptance. That's the opposite of the Bible. You are accepted in God's family and out of that acceptance and forgiveness from a holy God, let's serve him together. Let's step up and serve him because we're already forgiven. We're already accepted. We're already loved. Say, well, how could our God be so holy and yet we're not and we're so loved? And that is the beauty of God's grace. That is the mystery of our call. But our calling is, is not primarily performance and action in doing. That's where most people go in America. First question, you say, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? What do you do? We're bent towards doing. But our primary calling is relational to abide with Jesus. When we abide with Jesus, we bear so much fruit, so much fruit that everyone sees it in our home, in our community, on the job, where we work, in our neighbors, overseas. We just bear fruit and bear more fruit and bear more fruit. Why? Because we're abiding with Jesus. We stop abiding with Jesus, the fruit kind of shrivels up. 
fruit changes. It's really different. It's some strange fruit. There can be bad fruit if we don't abide. So the first calling is relational. I wanted to really spend some time there because we skipped past it. But I want to highlight your satisfaction today, your contentment today cannot be found in your circumstances. And maybe your circumstances right now, maybe it's really obvious that the joy is shriveling up in, in what you see around you, but it can never be found. Contentment and satisfaction and ultimate peace and joy and the love that fills our hearts, it can only be found in relationship. It can only be found with Christ. So abide, because that's your primary calling. Daily grace, abide with the Lord. Isaiah's learning this. Isaiah's taking this in. There's a second aspect to our calling, and your calling is your character. Not just relationship, but now character. Notice we still haven't got to action. Your character. Let's take a look at what Isaiah, uh, how he worships, how he responds. Look at verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. Isaiah says, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When you see who God is, then you really realize who you are. It's not till you know who God is that then you know who you are. And Isaiah is processing this. He says, woe to me, which simply means I need God's grace. I need God. I need his presence. I need his grace. I need him to change me. Why? Because following God is more about your internal condition than it is about all the things you're going to do. It's about an internal condition. Isaiah, seeing God's holiness, is realizing there's so many religious people in the land, but religion is all about the outside. Religion is all about the rituals. Religion is all about a front. Religion is all about impressing people. Religion is about looking spiritual on the outside, and that's something very different than our calling. And Isaiah is looking inward and realizing there's some things I need God to heal, change, transform, I need God in a big way. He says, I'm ruined. And you think, ruined, that sounds terrible. Here's what ruin means. His pride is shattered. His pride is shattered. You ever had your pride shattered? You ever been walking around in pride and God just shattered your pride? Isaiah says, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. And uh, he's in a culture where there's a lot of prosperity. There's the idolatry that comes with prosperity. And he's in a culture where people will refuse to be ruined. They're going to refuse to repent. I find this uh, verse right here so insightful from Isaiah chapter 8, starting in verse 20. Uh, this is telling the story. It says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. Verse 21, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Do you see what happens? People reject God. They walk away from God's word. They walk in darkness. Trials come and then they blame God. So they want to reject God, reject his word, walk around in misery, and then blame God for all the misery. That's what's happening in Isaiah's time. Why? There's a lot of prosperity, and the danger of prosperity is pride. And when there's prosperity and pride, you're going to have conflict with God. 
because God comes close to the humble. But God, in terms of those who are proud, God steps back. God even brings judgment. We see that in the land. Uh, The tale of the two nations, 12 tribes, 10 in the north, two in the south. The 10 in the north in 722 go into exile from Assyria. They go into exile because of their pride. Now in the south, the two tribes, they have kind of a mixture. And there's some of them trying to follow God, some really rejecting God, and it's a mixture. God doesn't bring the exile right away. God looks at a nation. God knows the soul of our country right now. He sees the soul of our country, and I'll tell you, based on how we respond to God, the future gets played out in a way that's very real, very spiritual. It's the major factor in the future of our country, how we respond to Jesus. And that was true then, that's true now, And Isaiah, he's going to say yes, pride shattered, lips are touched. Lips where words come out, attitude comes out, tone comes out, hearts come out. Uh, Lips are touched. It's a purification. It's painful. It's a painful purification, but it's a good purification. It's, ouch, that helps. Have you ever noticed that purification is kind of painful? (laughs) Have you ever noticed that when God wants to do a work and forge your character and chip away at the pride and he's making you more like Jesus, that it's really painful to die to the flesh, to to mortify those sins and, and change. And this is a painful cleansing, but it's a good cleansing. Throughout history, the history of humankind, this is what we see. Uh, there's this, this back and forth. What's going to happen? The last 2,000 years, What's going to happen? Is the church going to influence the culture or is the culture going to influence the church? 2,000 years. We've seen it in every nation. What's going to happen? By church, I'm saying the people, people who are following Jesus. Are people who are following Jesus going to influence the culture or is the culture going to influence the people who are following Jesus? We're living at a time right now in our country where the culture is having a strong, strong sway on the people who are following Jesus. And the people who are following Jesus, the impact on the culture is really a lot smaller than it could be. Uh, So we're watching this dynamic play out in Isaiah. We're watching this dynamic play out today. The church, the culture, what's gonna happen? Isaiah is purified. There is a healing that comes. And when we're real, there's a healing that God brings. There's a cleansing. There's a grace. He takes away guilt. He takes away shame. He takes away sin. He brings his light. And then the church is alive. The church is vibrant and the culture changes. But if our character lacks purity, if our character uh, isn't like Christ, then you know what happens? The culture starts to dominate and suddenly the church just looks like the culture in so many ways. And that's what's going on then. That's what's going on now. So this internal work, it's first relational closeness with God. And then it's this character work that God does. Second, that's our calling. Ephesians chapter four. Let's take a look at starting in verse one. Paul writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. See, you are called, you have a calling. Now let's live out this calling. So be completely humble in all situations, whether people watch or don't watch, at church, at home, at work. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's the internal condition. You know, Ahaz was a king in the north, 
and he sold uh, goods in the temple, the golden temple. So why? So he could try to buy this connection, reliance on Assyria instead of turning to God. He wasn't listening to God. His internal condition was one of not listening to God. And then the South, Josiah, kind of representing the country. Sometimes you'd see great fruit and he's walking with God. But then Josiah, he saw the Egyptians and he, he wanted to go into the war. And God said, don't go into that war. You're going to die. But Josiah stopped listening to God. He went into the war. Why? The internal condition, he blocked out God's voice. The internal condition, the character, it's so important to listen to God. Who's listening to God? It's kind of a theme in Isaiah. Who's listening to God? Internally. Who's listening to God? And we want to listen to God and bear fruit. Joshua is someone who listens to God. A whole generation in the wilderness didn't go into the promised land because they didn't listen to God. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, had the courage. Joshua listens that when you listen to God, you have courage. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Uh, take my word, take the Bible, and think about it, meditate on it, let it sink in deeply, because this word will give you courage. It's your internal condition. You've got to feed your soul with the word of God. You've got to listen to God. You've got to believe God. And then your internal condition changes, your character changes, and all of a sudden Joshua's ready to lead the people into the promised land, where for a whole generation they weren't, because the internal condition, they weren't listening to God. God changes our character when we listen to him. Uh, commit to listen to God. Your calling is linked to the mess. <laughs> it's linked. Isaiah was called in a mess because of a mess, and his calling was to be close to God, to listen to God, and then let God's word start to change him internally. His character is going to start to change. Isaiah is going to need a character that's deeper and greater than the circumstances around him. We need people today who have a character and a courage that is deeper than the circumstances around us. And where does that come from? That comes from abiding. That comes from God's word. We need people of courage, people of character, people of purity, people who bring healing, people who rise above the situation that we're in. And Isaiah was going to be one of those people. It's going to be one of those people. Before we put our kids to bed at night, we read different stories and uh, the wonders of God's creation. Diamonds, beautiful diamonds, they're formed through pressure and time and pressure. And maybe already in 2020, you feel like there's been pressure and it's been long in 2020 and it's more pressure. This is where we step back and by faith we say, you know what? It's pressure in time and even pressure that then God uses to change us, to bring beautiful things, to make us more like Christ when the pressure gets more intense. And maybe the pressure is five times or 10 times greater than you anticipated or wanted in 2020. You just know that God works together all things to the good according to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Part of your calling is your character, and God will use the challenges and the pressure to change your character to be like Christ and shatter the pride. Let him do it. That's what I plead to you. Let him do it. Let him change your character. A deep transformation. Your transformation and character has to be deeper than the circumstances and challenges we face. And it was going to be true for Isaiah's whole life. He realized, I'm going to need to walk close with the holy God. I'm going to need to abide, and I'm going to need a character. I don't know when Christ is returning, but I believe God is increasing our capacity. He's giving us an 
end times type of endurance right now that we're learning in our character. It's refining right now, like gold in the fire. There's a refining right now. When I look ahead in the book of Revelation, I see that it gets far, far, far more intense than this. I'm not belittling this, but I believe that God wants to change our character in such a way and abide with us in such a way that we can walk through stuff like Isaiah walked through. And we can walk through stuff like the book of Revelation. And we're going to walk through it and shine the light of Jesus. It's our calling. And yeah, oh, by the way, we're also going to do some stuff. So it's relationship first. It's character second. And then there's also influence. Look what, going back to Isaiah chapter 6. And in verse 8, he's listening to God. Remember that theme, who's listening to God. Isaiah's listening to God. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the heart of this people calloused. What's going on here? Um, Well, a, a couple things in terms of this calling. Who will go for us. Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? When God says who, he's not saying, oh, we're desperate. Oh, we're scrambling. Oh, I guess heaven doesn't have a plan. When God says who, he's saying, Isaiah, you, you. When God says who today, God's saying you, you. And when Isaiah says, here am I, send me, this is what I like. I like that um, Isaiah's going to realize his role, that's his, but the results aren't. And in your calling, you've got to know the role, that's yours, that God's given to you, but the results aren't. Isaiah's going to be faithful, and the results aren't fruitful in terms of people's hearts changing. I'll give an encouragement to parenting right here, and to parents. Sometimes you can parent the right way, and it doesn't always produce the desired results. And so Isaiah is going to be secure, going to need to be secure in his role because realistically only a few people are going to listen to God. Only some, only a remnant are going to turn. But for his life, he's going to see a lot of rejection of God and he's going to see uh, ultimately after his life what's going to happen is they're going to be taken into exile in Babylon. So he focuses on his role and being faithful to his role. That's how he's going to define success. It's not how many people respond. It's faithfulness to the role. And then he brings a commitment. No matter what comes, no matter what comes, I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to be silent. In this generation, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak up for the Lord. I'm going to be faithful in this generation. And that's how he lives. He makes a decision to be faithful to God and he's not going to be intimidated. He's not going to be retreating. He's not going to be checking popular opinion. He's just going to bring faithfulness to the Lord. That, that's his calling and the calling strong. Uh, Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says this about our calling. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. When you think about our country right now, I'm listening, you know, I'm listening to different pastors, different leaders, and there's a lot of people speaking about what's coming in 2020. There's a lot of people who, and sometimes there's disclaimers, well, I'm not a prophet, but, and a lot of people are painting scenarios in 2020. It's interesting. People who love God, very different pictures. And some people are painting this picture of the economy is going to come back. We're going to have sports up again soon. You know, things are going to go smooth. We're going to return. Churches will be packed. It's going to be incredible what's going to happen by the end of this year. And some people, a little more optimistically, are just saying, watch this incredible restoration. And then you talk to other people 
people right now and they're people who love Jesus and they'll say, you know what? The economy, actually COVID virus, I think it's gonna, we're gonna see a lot more deaths and then the economy's not gonna quickly bounce back. And then the tension like come September, November is gonna be crazy. There's gonna be chaos in our land. It's gonna get much crazier than it was in the first half of the country. And I'm, first half of the year, and I'm listening to both and it's like, which way is it gonna play out? Do you hear that? Do you hear people kind of talking about what's coming in very different scenarios? And this is what I want to highlight. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I don't know. The elections, the economy, uh, I don't know. COVID virus, I don't know a lot of what's coming. But I know this, your calling, your calling is irrevocable. And if you today would say, you know what? I'm going to be faithful to my calling whether the economy is uh, starting to just flourish or whether the economy tanks, I've got a calling. I've got a calling that doesn't hinge on the economy. I've got a calling that doesn't hinge on the election. I've got a calling that doesn't hinge on how severe the COVID virus gets. I've got a calling that is firm and it hasn't gone away and the church isn't dead. And in fact, like Isaiah, as things get more and more chaotic, we've got to be more clear and more courageous. And that's the path that I'm going to walk down in 2020. And you say, what is our calling? It's to bless. Go back. Even America, what's our calling as a nation? It's to bless, to bless. Genesis chapter 12. I've been going back there so often. And this is Abraham, God forming a nation. You think the purpose of a nation. What is he doing with the Israelites? Why, you know, did he raise up this people? Why does he bless this people? Why does he bless us? The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the purpose for the Israelites, that they're going to receive blessings from the Lord, and they'll be a blessing. You've received blessings from the Lord so that you will be a blessing. America has received so much from the Lord in that we would be a blessing. In one area, being a blessing to the nations, I'm thinking about sending missionaries and sending people overseas. Uh, here's a study from 2010. Uh, Gordon Cromwell, in terms of missionaries in the world, there's 400,000 missionaries that are sent out from one nation to another nation, 400,000 in 2010. Did you know America sends out 127,000? We send out by far the most missionaries to bless other nations. And I pray that continues. I pray that grows. Brazil is second at that time, 34,000. And I want to share a couple stories in close from some of our international partners. We've got 40 international partners and uh, incredible stories are happening around the world that we're a part of. When you give, when you pray, when you encourage them, we're all one family. We're all serving in many parts of the world. But we're not only going to celebrate these stories, but I also want us to kind of resonate with a, let's do this here. As you hear of what God's doing in other countries, I also want that kind of to resonate and say, let's do this here. So Costa Rica, friendships, uh, a Spanish-speaking service has started. Already 130 people are coming incredible multicultural friendships and ministry. And I say, let's do this here. Let's do this here. Then uh, we're going to switch over to Uganda. And in Uganda, training up 100 students 
Some of them even in refugee camps, training them how to read the Bible, how to live out their faith. And then in a, in a life group there in Uganda, five ladies have just decided to follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing in our life groups if all of a sudden we're seeing people coming to Jesus and our life groups are reaching out and uh, it would be phenomenal. So we see it in Uganda, praise the Lord, and we think about it here. In Slovenia, what we see is someone with a new age background has just put their trust in Christ. Also, five more people from student ministries have put their trust in Christ. Imagine if we started to seeing five people in student ministries put their trust in Christ in a year. It would be phenomenal. Uh, we long for that. And then we see this, um, Medical Alliance, Feeding the Poor. Uh, where? Morocco, Cambodia, Uganda, Ukraine, Liberia. We have so many people in poverty around us here in Auburn. How could we bring more blessings and food and care for the people around us like we see in these other countries? Papua New Guinea, uh, just writing, drafting, and refining 59 chapters of scripture. Why? So people can have the Bible. Imagine if we just started sharing the Bible more. Social media, giving actual Bibles to people as gifts. Spread the word of God around the sound. I'll share one more. In... Um, well, in Russia, a digital ministry started up and 34, over 34,000 visitors hearing the gospel in Russia recently, digital ministry. And then I think of our digital ministry, spreading the gospel to so many people who don't know Jesus about a relationship with him. Uh, we celebrate what God is doing through part of our church family around the world. And then wouldn't we also agree that we are called? We are called just as much is every location I've shared, we are called. And this calling is relational, this calling is character, and this calling is influence. If this has sounded like a lot, I'll, I'll close with this quote. Uh, this is from Bob Goff. My wife and I, Lori and I, are uh, just reading his devotion at night, and Bob has a gift, a way of just bringing a lot of the profound and complex just down to something like very clear and doable. So this is what he says. Uh, Bob Goff, I think it relates to calling. While you are figuring out what God's plan is for your life, and a lot of people make calling really confusing and really complex and almost unattainable, and it's on delay for years. He says, while you're figuring out what's God's plan for your life, he says, just go love everybody. That's the plan. That's the plan. What's God's plan for my life? 10 years from now, 15 years from now, in this location? What? This is God's plan. Go love everybody really well. That's the plan. That's the plan. We kind of go, yeah, that, that is our calling, isn't it? A holy God, he's so holy and we're so loved. We receive so much love and there's this transformative power that he brings to make us more like Jesus, that now we're bearing fruit. We're gonna bless even the nations. We're gonna bless our neighbors and we're gonna start loving people like we've never loved them before. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you that you call people like Isaiah and like us. God, we feel ruined. <laughs> uh, God, you shatter our pride, but we thank you for doing it. We worship you as holy. We draw near to you together. Jesus, we thank you that Isaiah saw you. Jesus, we want to see you. We pray for a fresh vision of your greatness.
in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, in our nation. Jesus, we long and cry out that there would be an awakening in our nation, that we would not settle for less than you in healthy souls, in spiritual health, and following you, in your joy, and your peace. God, we pray for a greater love in our relationships, a greater love in our nation, a greater love for the nations. We pray that you would take these small visions, God, and shatter them, and take our pride, and shatter it, and take our fear, and shatter it, God, and we pray that your calling would come in strong, would prevail for such a time as this. We don't know what's coming up this year, but we know of your holiness. We know of your goodness. We know of your courage. We know of our calling. In Jesus, we know our calling is primarily relational, so we seek you together right now. We seek you together in song and praise. We're listening to you. Amen.